Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancake. My name is Jared Malat. I'm here with my good friend, Stephen Reed. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic today. How are you doing, Mr. Malat? Doing wonderfully. So, hey, just to get right into it, last week in episode nine, Stephen, we discussed uh, our dearly departed Andrew Luck has decided to retire. But we're going to move forward uh, as the organization moves. We have a game on Sunday. Colts travel to Los Angeles and Carson, California, to play the Los Angeles Chargers in Dignity Health Sports Park. How are you feeling about the Colts moving into week one in the Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer era? You know, I feel really good about this team. Like we said before, this team is is quality from top to bottom, which makes so much more of a difference than, yeah, it's great to have, you know, one great player, but the team itself is is solid. And so I go into looking at this first game against the Los Angeles Chargers and say, you know, the Colts have a pretty good shot here. You know, and the Chargers are without their, their top defensive player. They are without could be without their starting running back as Tom Telesco, their general manager, has said that he's not going to get an extension this season. So he either comes back and plays or he, he seeks out a trade. So it looks like it's Austin Eckler time out there in San, in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, Keenan Allen seems like he's always nursing some kind of injury and they're going to be without their left tackle. And the Colts have a pretty good pass rush. So I feel pretty confident going into going into this week. Uh, I, I I feel much more confident than Vegas feels about the Colts. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> that's a good segue for us, Stephen. So I'm happy to announce today, by the way, that my business, Bizarre Grind Coffee and Games, is going to become a supporter, a sponsor for Stampede Blue and a new project that we're going to announce called Stampede Blue Bets the NFL. Uh, And so what my company is going to do is we're going to literally invest in Stampede Blue and our staff and our collective brain power. Uh, And I've talked to a couple people outside of Stampede Blue about putting together a weekly project where we kind of just discuss how we would bet uh, the games this week. And this kind of piggybacks on to an announcement that came out September 1st. Obviously, this has been a known thing since May. But in Indiana, sports betting is finally legal. Um, And there's no place to go uh, online to bet. So if you're going to bet in Indiana, if you go to Stampede Blue, I wrote an article within the last week, within the last few days, about this announcement. And there's a link in there to an Indy Star article that tells you the list of places that you can place bets. Uh, and I'm going to personally go to these places myself and I'll review them myself and pass that information along to Stampede Blue fans um, and use that kind of experience uh, as a method of advertisement for my business. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. And of course, as I benefit, as my company benefits, Stampede Boo will benefit. And hopefully we put out some killer uh, suggestions and people make some great bets and make some money this year. Uh, just kind of like a project that I kind of 
came up with. Um, and then let's let's kind of talk about it. We could talk about this game from the perspective of the the gambler, and we kind of started off talking about it from like a serious NFL football fan. So let's kind of get back get back to that. If if I had to say how good this team's going to look on opening day, I think this goes back to things I've said in the in the past. The healthiest team wins, especially in a game that you expect to be otherwise pretty competitive. So Stevens already kind of hit on, well, Russell Okung is out. Melvin Gordon isn't going to be there this week. And Derwin James is out. And in terms of starters for the Colts, looks to me like they're going to be without Jabal Sheard, who we love and appreciate. Right, Stephen. But outside of that, this is a very healthy Colts roster that upgraded its pass rush via Justin Houston, upgraded the middle of its defense uh, with guys um, like Ben Banigou, uh and then the back end of their defense with guys like Rocky Sin and probably Kari Car- Willis uh, as far as just bolstering both the youth and depth of this young Colts defense. So that kind of sums it up pretty well right the chargers are just missing a few players and the colts are really only missing jabal sheard is that fair yeah that yeah and the the chargers are missing some significant players and so the colts are missing looks to be one starter uh with jabal sheard and then but they've got depth at the defensive end position and so you've got a guy that can come right in and play like um mohammed off um <clears throat> Moakadim Muhammad. Um, gosh, why is my my messing that name up? Um, but yeah, you've got Akadim Muhammad who can come in and sub in for Sheard right away. You've got Ben Banigou who's played snaps. You've got you know Kamoku Ture who's looked great in preseason to this. Mm-hmm. And so, it, what I think is my biggest concern with the Colts going into this game is is that Russ going to get knocked off quickly? Because the starters didn't play the last two weeks of the preseason. They played sparingly in the the other two games. I think, you know, Jacoby Brissett played, what, like 11 snaps or something like that? Or, right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's under 30. Um, I know that. And so that's going to be my biggest question is, you know, for the Colts, are they going to to be able to acclimate to live game action quickly. And for a lot of other teams in NFL, that's going to be the same way. And so hopefully the Chargers will also have you know, a little bit of little bit of time or a, take a little bit of time knocking off the rust. In Los Angeles, the, the Chargers, they're notoriously slow starters to seasons. And so who knows? It could be uh, this, this is uh, we talked last week about what matters where and when you play a team yep. and playing San Diego opening week of the season, even though it's on the road is probably the best time to play the chargers um, because they do notoriously start slow. Um, and they're a little dinged up right now. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that the Colts have a, a fighter shot in this and I, I pick them to win. Absolutely. And I feel the same way. For the right reasons, right? So, again, even though we're going to bet the NFL and we're going to use uh, gambling to do that, I still pick from an object, try to be as objective as I can. And just, I'm going to repeat exactly what Steven said. Your schedule is relevant, sure. But what's far more important is how healthy you are, how healthy your opponent is, and where that game is being played. And this week, the Colts get to, you know, travel across country, go out to L.A., uh, see the Hollywood sign, and then snap it all together in Carson. And just looking at what Las Vegas says right now is that they think there's above a 50% chance that the San Diego Chargers win by seven points. That's the way you read a negative six and a half point spread. They think if you're going to bet 
on the Chargers that you should be better. You think they win, they're going to win this game by a touchdown. However, we were just talking about this. The home team gets three points for being said home team. So the chalk pick, which means this is played on an even playing field, says that really the Chargers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I think that's valid because, as you just said, the Chargers are notoriously slow starters. So I think you can take away the home field advantage that you uh, see on paper, and you could say this is a level playing field. The chart, For example, the reason I get to say this is I have a little more information that I let on. The Chargers are horrible in terms of attendance in the NFL. They are not the Raiders. The Raiders have great home support, you know, and there are other franchises that do as well. I was just talking about West Coast teams. But the Chargers, they don't have like a, a Seattle Seahawk home environment, right, where nobody goes into Seattle and wins, right, Stephen? This is a new stadium. This is a, a franchise that's just moved. And I get it. They moved from San Diego to Carson, whatever. But the reality is, like, this is a new location from them. for them. It probably will not be nearly the environment that a home game for the Chargers is supposed to be. And I expect that will be the norm playing against the Chargers in in California, let's just say that, rather than skipping back and forth between San Diego and L.A. Um, I just think that's not as much of a home field advantage on paper because of, because of the organization. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, well, and they, even when they were in San Diego, they weren't a big draw. No, that, not at all. That's the reason why they moved. Um, so I'm not not surprised by this. Um really that they're not going to get that that home field advantage like you get like you would mention in Seattle or in New Orleans where it is just loud and you can't hear and you or, or Kansas City for that matter too right um I've been in Arrowhead and those fans can get loud um right out especially for big games so you're not going to have the same uh, disadvantage uh going out for a San Diego Chargers game as you would going to any other game on the west coast so let me ask you straight up, because this this is going to affect the outcome of this football game. How confident are you in Pierre Desir versus Keenan Allen? I'm pretty darn confident in that. I think the the bigger question we're gonna the Colts are gonna face is that second wide receiver, Mike Williams. He's really good, um, yeah. and so that's gonna be the guy that I think is gonna if somebody's gonna go out and and have a big game, it's probably gonna be him. Um, because I feel confident in Desir because Keenan Allen has got a similar body type as other other uh, wide receivers that Desir shut down. Um, and he's coming off of a he's, – he's a little dinged up right now. So I look at that and say I, I'd put my money on Desir winning that matchup. But the question is how do you feel on that other corner? If you've got, you know, Kenny Moore, Rocky Asim, uh, Quincy Wilson – over there how comfortable are you with them on a mike williams or that that's going to be the big question for me is is who covers mike williams and then you've also got hunter henry the tight end who is a fantastic player so i think that's part of the reason that the the colts defense could make some big plays because Mm -hmm. they've got some fast linebackers that can cover tight ends and they've got a strong safety in Gaithers and Willis who can cover tight ends. So they've got some options there. Um, but yeah, that's a, I feel confident in Desir. It's the other, other two major receiving options that Phillip Rivers has that could be an issue. Yeah. And then, so I want to kind of, I kind of want to go position group by position group um, and just say, how comfortable are you with this matchup? Um, and we can do it both ways, offense versus defense or offense versus offense, right? So you just compare them directly and say, who are you more confident in, for example, the Colts offensive line or the Chargers offensive line? I think that's pretty much a settled argument, right? So it's like asking a question yeah. tongue-in-cheek. The Colts have a top-five offensive line in the NFL, and you just can't say that about the Chargers. It's just not 
even close to accurate, especially missing a starting left tackle. So that can be one that we kind of move on from. We don't have to talk about that because we already know the answer to that. But for example, how do you feel about how the Colts wide receivers and Chargers wide receivers match up? You just brought up Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry as wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and tight end. And I think that's pretty much a, a solved equation, too, uh, you know, w- with the exception of who's better between Mike Williams, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, right? And then Keenan Allen and T.Y. compare pretty favorable, favorably, except that T.Y. actually plays games as Injured. opposed to Keenan Allen misses games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, again, tongue-in-cheek, I think the Colts got the better of the wide receiver tight end room. I think our running backs compare uh, more favorably for the Colts without Melvin Gordon, which is an obvious statement. Yeah. Yeah, I would say outside of the quarterback position, right? I think the Colts pretty much have every other positional group on offense. Like if you're going to just do compare side by side. And, and we're still not sure, you know, really what Jacoby Brissett is in this offense. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to be that's going to be the the year long question yeah. is who is Jacoby Brissett? I think, though, so to start this out with. So this is the podcast that comes out before week one starts. And here's what I'm saying. OK, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm completely fine with crazy. OK, I'm going to place a bet. That the Colts make the playoffs and Jacoby Brissett wins the NFL MVP. And I don't think it has much at all. What's to the do. odds on the MVP? What's oh, it's insane! It's like five thousand. It's, it's absurd. Say, is it, like I'm gonna place yeah, like a gonna twenty dollar bet. Yeah, it's really bad. So here's why: twenty dollar bet wins you ten grand, everybody. Yeah. On a five thousand to one. Yeah. So here's why, though, and I know I know the fans of this podcast are literally gonna be like, "What are you on today?" And I would like to tell you all that I am stone sober. Um, I'm not losing my mind. What I've done in the last week is I went back and I watched the Eagles run through the playoffs. The year they won the Super Bowl, was that 2016 or something? Whatever. It's a couple years ago. And how Frank Reich, as the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, simplified the offensive plan and game plan to minimize exposing Nick Foles for what he actually is, which is a, he's a not very mobile, he's reasonably mobile, but not extremely mobile quarterback. Um, and, and doesn't typically, mm, he doesn't have the escapability to get to his like third and fourth reads. He's a one to two read quarterback. They simplified their offensive system. They won a Super Bowl with a backup. Carson Wentz is a, again, another once in a generation quarterback sitting out games due to injury because he can't be protected. Um, That said, though, I don't even think that it's Jacoby Brissett versus the rest of the NFL for MVP. I think it's Frank Reich. I think, is it Sirianni that's the OC? Like, those people are going to game plan Jacoby Brissett into an NFL MVP, and I will take that bet. Not And it's not because I don't have faith in Jacoby Brissett. I think that he's a pro's pro. That's what how he comes off. I don't I don't know what else to call him. He gets along with everybody. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been a starting quarterback. He's been a backup quarterback. He's young. He played at two different big time college programs in Florida and NC State, which is for the record is QBU from now on if Jacoby Brissett sticks. So I don't think it necessarily has as much to do with the skill ceiling of Jacoby Brissett, I think it has to do with maximizing his strengths, which are he get, he can get the ball out quickly, he has the deep ball, and he has the maneuverability to stay on his feet long enough to look downfield. If he can just minimize freezing in the pocket and taking unnecessary hits and errant throws, which are all the hallmark of a backup quarterback, right, is freezing in the pocket and getting drilled and then throwing balls that are uncatchable. So his 1,200 snaps running this offense this offseason and it being a second year in a system, 
I like to think of him as like a second year starting NFL quarterback, right? Cause he is <laughs> right. He is a, this is his second go around starting in the NFL. Um, and I yeah, guess let's, now that we're, we're talking about Jacoby Brissett at length, talk about the decision by the Colts to go ahead and invest in Jacoby Brissett. And then we can go right into, let's talk about the Colts bringing in Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I think the Colts, in terms of, we're going to start with Brissett. I think they made a wise decision to go ahead and extend him now mm-hmm. because you've got him playing right now on $2 million prior to signing this extent, or this uh, new deal. He was going to be making $2 million this year. And so signing to a $30 million two-year, $30 million um, new deal gives him $20 million guaranteed. And say he goes and just absolutely balls out this year. That means you just got a top quarterback for 15, or for an average of $15 million a year for the next two years. And then it gives you the ability to, if he goes and absolutely bombs this next year, you know, you can you can let him go and you don't have a, a significant cap, uh, cap hit or cap implications for the future. Um, but then it also saves the Colts is if, if he did ball out and then they had to tag him, then he's making $2 million this year. And the tag next year is probably going to be cre- creeping up over $30 million. So he'd be making $30 million next year as it were, if the Colts were forced to tag him. So, you're looking at paying him $32 million over two years or $30 million over two years and giving him $20 million up front. The smart thing that Ballard did in doing this is it shows that he is being proactive and he's trying to do what's best for the players right now in the short term uh, while also looking out for the long-term effects of the franchise. Now, if I'm Jacoby Brissett, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done the deal you know, this soon. I maybe might have bet on myself a little bit on it and and gone through the year and see if maybe I can get myself like a four year extension that's you know thirty million per average. Um, but at the same time, if there's if in a league where one hit can knock you out and take out your entire season, I think it's smart for him to also go ahead and get his money right now while he can. Yeah, and I, I can I can certainly understand that. But the way the way I kind of look at it is, Jacoby Brissett doesn't have an agent. Most most high profile NFL quarterbacks, especially starting NFL quarterbacks, most NFL players, something along the lines of like almost eighty percent of NFL players have some sort of representation. So where the breakdown may have occurred is that Jacoby Brissett didn't have anybody to go to the negotiating table for him, and that's his choice. His words were, uh, I, don't need anybody, I don't need anybody to speak for me, and I'm paraphrasing. I respect that. I think it costs him money. I agree. That said, though, I like, I like the deal for the organization from a mental health standpoint. I think it answers a lot of questions. The Colts are not in search of a long-term starter at quarterback. They think they have their man. They also believe that investing in Jacoby now shows him faith before a down is snapped that, hey, if you play like a starter, we'll pay you like one. The deal that Jacoby signed makes him the 19th highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now. They're betting that he's a top 20 quarterback. If he plays better than they're paying him, I think they'll restructure, offer him another deal. And I think they got, I legitimately believe in a league where one hit could end your career, that Jacoby Brissett could be the incumbent starter for the Colts. It's just about going out there and executing. And I think he has done all of the things, he has checked off every possible. Like, if you just kept putting up requirements to be a great NFL quarterback, in my opinion, Jacoby Brissett just keeps knocking those down, right? 
he went to Florida and NC State, right? He went to a good Division One football program. He went to two of them, and he didn't leave Florida under ugly circumstances. He left because he got outplayed by Jeff Driscoll and didn't think he would get to play, which, hey, that's a man admitting that guy played better than me and I didn't want to sit on the bench, so I went to a school that let me play. And he had a good career at both Florida and NC State, and then gets drafted by the Patriots, and who does he get tutelage under? Tom Brady, uh, you know, however much you can love or hate that man, he's one of the best to ever do it, and Bill Belichick, and I'd say those exact same words about Bill Belichick. You may not like that man, but you cannot acknowledge what, you cannot uh, deny what he has accomplished. And to get tutelage under those two people, and then get traded to Indianapolis, brought in by Chris Ballard, get to work uh, alongside Andrew Luck, and then also get to work under Frank Reich, who was in a very similar position, right? He was a career backup quarterback that yep. never really got his shot, right? Like, he played He's had games. the best comeback victories in, I think, both college and professional football. Frank Reich does. Yeah, so of all of the people... In the litany of the NFL, like in the entirety of the NFL, what two people would you rather see a success story out of than Frank Reich, the perennial backup, who, while he did great things, never really got a shot, and Jacoby Brissett, very similar story until right about the time Andrew Luck hung it up, right? Great backup, career backup, important in the locker room, leader even though he's not a starter. Andrew Luck says, I can't continue to do this, and passes the buck. And like I said, I, I know it sounds homerish. It sounds people who have not played football beyond, like, I remember when I was in sixth, seventh grade going into middle school, 100 plus kids came out for football. When I was a freshman and or so let's say sophomore so when i was no longer allowed to play freshman sports or like single grade sports out of the entirety of the high school program you're down to like 70 kids ish 70 ish kids by the time i graduated high school there were 21 seniors so we lost 80 percent of the people just from the time i was in seventh grade till i graduated high school and then think about how few people play college football how few people play the nfl and you just think about how much morale means. I can tell you from every aspect of my life, the most important the most important aspect of a business, of a team, of an organization, an entity is how does it how do they feel internally? Like how how are they doing internally? And I think Jacoby Brissett fits as the leader, the quarterback of this this franchise moving forward from a personality perspective. Did you get a chance to hear uh, Jacoby on Pat McAfee's podcast? No, I actually just downloaded it um, a couple hours ago. I haven't had a chance to actually listen to it yet. I won't spoil it for you, so I'll try to keep it out of the context of what I, they actually talked about. Jacoby Brissett is the very best at what he does because he isn't having his hand held through this process. He has gotten to be himself because he hasn't been the incumbent starter. He's just, and I hate to, I hate to use terms like that, but it's true. The reality is Jacoby Brissett didn't have to wear that he's going to be the starter one day. He, he never had to wear, wear that. He, he was expected to be a glorified clipboard holder and cheerleader while Andrew Luck goes on a decade of dominance and the Colts win three Super Bowls in a row a couple times or whatever uh, Jim say is trying to sell us. So he's just gotten to do Jacoby. And just come to work every day and work as hard as you can and hope and hope, but kind of hope not, right? Like this is probably his worst nightmare come true slash 
dream come true, right? His One of his best friends decides he doesn't want to play football anymore, and that just happens to be the guy whose job he takes, right? So on the one hand, it's kind of a bittersweet. It has to be, right? You'd rather have Andrew along for the ride, uh, not my hope. My hope for Andrew is that he takes some time away, but then just like the ghosts of Colts teams past, they just come back and hang around the program because it's an awesome thing to do, right? Like that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about this new era, uh, this Chris Ballard regime is what we might as well just call it. They have turned what I thought was a weakness which was the Colts' link to the public, I thought was a weakness. I've felt that for a long time and turned it into its strength in letting Colts fans get to really actually know who these people are and not restricting their media and not telling them, don't go on Pat McAfee's podcast, uh, but instead encouraging that behavior. I think it just says a lot, just says a lot about Chris Ballard. It says a lot about Frank Reich that they trust each other and that they agree that from every perspective, from a business perspective, from a highest probability to win perspective, morale is your driver. How you feel is the most important part about being part of a team or a company or an organization. If you feel like you're being put in the best possible position to win, you will do so more often then if you're, oh, I don't know, Miami, Houston, the Washington Redskins every year. Uh, let's see, who else is horrible? Uh, like I said, there's just there's several organizations in the NFL where I'm surprised guys don't retire young all the time. If you're just stuck long-term playing for a perennial loser and they won't trade you because you're one of the best at your position, like how do you just come to work like every Joe day? Joe Thomas. Yeah, well, Joe I love Thomas Joe Thomas. In Cleveland. So that's, yeah, that's but like that's different. <laughs> Offensive linemen are different. Yeah, and, like they're different, different kind of, different kind of player there. But like, yeah. yeah, I totally understand. Like, for example, playing for the Raiders for the past fifteen years. Gosh, in, Do you know, or Jordy well, Nelson. <laughs> yeah, like Jordy Nelson led the Raiders in receiving last year. I think he got cut like halfway through the season. Yeah. Or he yeah. got injured or whatever. But I, yeah, he still led the Raiders in receiving. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this is, you know, the Cardinals recently have been just bad. Yeah. And, yeah, Tampa Bay. I mean, I love Larry Fitzgerald. Pretty much. But look at Larry Fitzgerald, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, yeah. did, he did his damage in his youth, and he'll go down as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. And I, I for the record, am really hopeful. I'm... I'm about as hopeful about Kyler Murray as I am Lamar Jackson, as I am Jacoby Brissett, and you can see why. I'm a big fan of a future where it doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you can ball, you can ball. And I think those guys, and there have been guys before that, uh, Warren Moon, I get it, but this is the now. And the now is, I think it's imperative that we take every quarterback in the NFL for exactly what they are instead of looking at the color of their skin and saying, oh, that guy isn't going to make it. He won't be able to handle being a starting NFL quarterback because he doesn't understand the offenses and he can't throw and he's not smart enough. And I digress. I think Kyler Murray's going to kill it. I think Jacoby Brissett's going to kill it in this system. And I think Lamar Jackson showed you last year that you, you don't doubt the best athlete on the table and that Ultimate, ultimately, it will usher in a new a new era of football players where I think a guy like Jalen Hurts looks good in an NFL uniform, right? He had 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, threw six touchdowns in that opener against Houston, right? I think the future is athletic quarterbacks, guys that aren't afraid. Obviously, you need to learn to slide because otherwise you're going to get your head taken off in the NFL because that's what those guys are going to do to you. But And I think that's a league-wide problem. I think like Quarterbacks should just learn how to baseball slide. Like you should, it should just be a thing you're really good at, right? Right. Well, uh, I think that I think you're onto something here in terms of the types of quarterbacks that are starting to excel. But I think that comes to a bigger root problem in that they're no longer developing offensive linemen at the college level, and so right. those players need to 
be a little bit more athletic because they're running these schemes because they don't have those those types of coaches that are able to really coach up an offensive line like they have, for example, in Alabama or they had at Notre Dame for all those years Mm -hmm. is those guys came in and they were pro ready to play that offensive line. Nowadays, you're getting guys coming in from these big 12 West Coast systems that are, are more, you know, run and shoot or anything like they were. They're just using these quick passing concepts. It's one read and out on it. And so I, and part of it's because you are not teaching offensive line. And so you're coming into the NFL and these guys needing two, three, four years to really figure it out. Mm -hmm. Unless they're coming from an sec school or Notre Dame or big 10. So you've got like two conferences and Notre Dame that really can, can push offensive linemen but outside of those guys, you need to have those athletic quarterbacks. And I think it's just how the game is changing. Yeah. So so what we're what we're saying and by and large is that as the future of the NFL arrives, right, where speed is a killer, where being able to score touchdowns, I, I get what I'm saying sounds mostly elementary. But there are a lot of people that are just used to a completely different era of football where you just build a house around your quarterback, let him stand back there and launch missiles and see what happens. But the reality is that's that's not how football is being played now. It's being played uh, under 20 yards. It's balls getting out real fast. Quarterbacks are dual threat. Offensive linemen aren't as relied upon uh, to generate movement at the line of scrimmage to help the run game because all of the movement behind the line of scrimmage is dictating uh, post-snap reads, right? So when they motion a, a wide receiver across, they're looking at who goes with him, right? How does the yeah, defense adjust the motion? Man. And then they know mm-hmm. whether they're running, passing, or it's a keep pretty much before the ball's even snapped. And then once the ball's snapped, the quarterback is just looking. Did the end crash down on the run? And now I just keep it and go and get five yards? Or did the defensive end stay at home and now I have to look to quickly get the ball out? Like that, for the record, I just explained the RPO from the quarterback's position. But, but right, but as we move forward in the NFL, I'm just making a point now. Escapability, being able to make all the throws, like being highly accurate, things that you would think already are important, they haven't been. Those things, ha- throwing on the run, Accurately, those things haven't been important. There are NFL quarterbacks right now that are no good on the run. There are starting NFL quarterbacks right now that if you ask them to run the RPO, they'd laugh at you and point at how brittle they really are. And how, you know, for example, Tom Brady, I've been saying this for a while. Tom Brady's had really good offensive line play in front of him. And if it weren't for really good offensive line play in front of him, he'd have been out of the league already. Because he's over 40 now, and I'm telling you, as a 36-year-old human being, once you get up here, you're brittle. One hit, you shatter into a thousand pieces. And I get it, he's a professional athlete, and I'm not. But what I'm really saying is, like, if he, if an immobile quarterback isn't getting rid of the ball real quick, a super genius, been in this system for 10-plus years, which is basically Tom Brady at this point, like, you're in trouble, right? Because these pass rushers are insane athletes. They're basically, pass rushers are now Olympians that are not afraid to run into you. Like, they're just obscenely good. Look at look at guys like Von Miller. Look at guys like J.J. Watt. Just super long athletic freaks that put fat linemen to shame every week. That splatter quarterbacks to the turf. Uh, and so I think in the, as the NFL, you know, like I said, as the future arrives... We're going to look for having a little more escapability, a little more being able to make all the throws, throw on the run. I mean, look what Patrick Mahomes did last year, right? A lot of his plays were made on the run. Why? Because it's something that teams aren't used to and it's hard for them to defend, right? And so, like I said, I, I for one, like I said, to go back to my original point, I'm betting the Colts make the playoffs and I'm also betting Jacoby Brissett wins the NFL MVP. And I don't think it's because of Jacoby Brissett. I think it's because of... Frank Reich and that offense. 
So now is that where we started? That's where we were like 15 minutes ago. So okay. now, <laughs> now that we've gone all the way back around here. So speaking of Tom Brady, let's talk about Brian Hoyer. <laughs> let's do it. Let's talk about Brian Hoyer. Um, Hoyer, in my mind, is a perfect backup quarterback option for the Colts. Um, and for him to get three years, it also was a smart deal for the Colts to put it in there as a three-year deal because it gives you some overlap. Um, Brian Hoyer is pro, is pro's pro, and, and he's a great teacher and mentor as a quarterback and will be a tremendous asset to Jacoby Brissett in that quarterback room. And then, you know, per chance, either Jacoby Brissett blows up and the Colts want to, for whatever reason, decide to trade him. I don't know why they would do that. But, or if he does poorly and the Colts end up drafting in the middle of first round or wherever in the draft and need to draft a quarterback, they've got a guy already there under contract that's going to be a built-in mentor mentor for a young quarterback. And I just think that it, it was, that might be the better of the two moves, in my opinion, uh, in terms of signing Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, just because Hoyer can really go across and, and help Brissett, but also gives the Colts some insurance policy uh, for if Brissett doesn't, doesn't end up come out and playing as well as, as we all hope and we all think he will. Yeah, and I guess that's the, the, real, the real quandary uh, the Colts have is compared to what we saw two seasons ago with him at starter, is that his floor – Right. If that's as bad as they all, he had 17 total touchdowns, um, he completed 58.8 percent of his passes. I'm talking about Jacoby Brissett. If that's what he plays at, that's not a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. That's a replacement level starter in the NFL. And you're exactly right. Signing a guy like Brian Hoyer just gives you insurance and the off chance that, you know, I start to think about, I guess that is so unorthodox. Jacoby Brissett not having an a agent that it makes me wonder like does how is he going to hold up in success how is he going to hold up uh when it's ugly how is he going to hold up when he doesn't have you know and I get it that locker room's tight and he's been around it a while so I guess I'm just kind of torn on do I think the Brian Hoyer move just makes me feel better about Chad Kelly falling off the wagon again, right? Like, it makes me feel better if if Jacoby struggles well, or doesn't Kelly's, handle the spotlight. Chad Kelly's inexperienced too, so that's that's the other thing to to add in. Like, the amount of knowledge that Brian Hoyer has to come in as a backup quarterback, the number of different situations he's been in and looks he's seen and offenses he's played in and defenses he's played against. Yeah. can really be an asset because you don't get that knowledge from, you know, college. You get that from experience. Right. And having that experience in the quarterback room, I think, will be just such a tremendous asset for Jacoby Brissett. And then whenever Chad Kelly comes back from suspension after week two, and my guess is they'll probably drop Philip Walker and try to get Chad Kelly to the practice squad because I don't think they're going to carry three quarterbacks throughout the season. And I and I understand that as well. So so what we're saying now is, of course, we expect Jacoby Brissett to be the starter. We expect Brian Hoyer to serve as backup. We expect the Colts to cut Philip Walker, put Chad Kelly on the practice squad as soon as he comes back from his two game suspension for violating uh, personal conduct policy uh, in the NFL. Uh, so let's talk about for the record. One, <laughs> we, we should talk about it because it's like it's relevant. How do you feel about Chad Kelly? Given what you saw, I, I mean, he's a good developmental backup right now. Yeah. I, I I liked him a heck of a lot better than I like you know, Philip Walker. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, that's not really saying a whole lot necessarily, because um, Walker was all over the place. Um, Chad Kelly was he brought an excitement to the game, and he made the right decision in the right situation, and from a football standpoint, he can do a lot, make a lot of the throws. 
Yeah. Um, you know, he's he got just, a little bit of maneuverability. He obviously, if I remember correctly, had a he's long got that run. Moxie. Yeah, that that yeah. that's that word, that juice, that yeah. that Frank or yeah, that Frank Reich talks about. Got that juice. Uh, he's got that juice. The thing I will say though that I did see in his play is there were two times that he did something he was not supposed to do and succeeded at it. And Frank Reich did not hesitate to say, regardless of the outcome of that play, that was not what we intended to do. And you have to think about, it kind of takes me, I've been thinking about this all day. Do you watch college football at all? I try to watch it uh, during the season when I can. Um, did you did you catch that Oklahoma game by the way? I I caught bits and pieces. Did you have you seen the interview afterwards? I I did see parts of the interview afterwards. So I get it. We're talking about college football. People are like, how does this correlate? I'm gonna get there. So Jalen Hurts transfers from uh, what is that? He transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma and becomes yeah. becomes a starter. And what if Oklahoma has three Heisman winners in a row? That's insane. It's insane. That can tell you it might be the system. It might be the system, right? And and that's what I'm 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 one of those people. I'm a fan of the systems in place, right? Like when I think of what I really have come to enjoy about the NFL, it's Sean Payton, it's Sean McDermott. You know, what I mean, it's it's guys like Freddie. And I get it. This is before anything good happens to Cleveland, but I like Freddie Kitchens. I like Frank Reich. I like. Nagy out of Chicago. Um, there are several young coaches, and that transfers to what I'm talking about with Oklahoma. Oklahoma, for the record, I I agree with what Jalen Hurts said in that we have to tighten the screws, we have to get better, and also not in what I saw in the in the media anyway. There is a full interview where he basically points out to the person that was interviewing him. I didn't come to Oklahoma to beat Houston. And he was unhappy with the team's play, even though he balled out. I mean, I think he had like two rushing touchdowns, 100 plus yards rushing, 300 yards plus passing and six total touchdowns. So he did his job phenomenally. And even and getting interview, even getting the, you know, game MVP or whatever and getting the post game interview, he was still just unhappy he didn't think that the team did well enough and it immediately made me think about Jacoby Brissett and how his role will will he be the same person to get up there after a victory and instead of giving us the the typical quarterback speak right you know we made the right plays at the right time we did what we were supposed to do and we came out with a win. I want the real response. You know, it was you know, I'm 18 games into starting as an NFL quarterback. And even though we won the game, I'm not happy with my play. That's my favorite thing to come out of a player's mouth even in victory acknowledging that we have work to we have work yet to do. And I think that there isn't another organization in the NFL that I would put a guy like Jacoby Brissett on and let him lead my team if it wasn't Frank Reich and Chris Ballard that are great at building. Our greatest asset now is depth, right? Which hasn't been the case as almost as long as I can remember. Can you remember a deeper Colts team? From top to bottom, no. And I'm just trying to think about I can basically and I and I wouldn't take this challenge and bet, you know, I'm going to eat my shoe if I can't. But I can actually probably name all 53 guys on the roster. And I couldn't have done that in many seasons past because for many years and this applies to many NFL fans. So this this may not even apply just to Colts fans. We've been too blessed. But there are far too many teams in the NFL, there are far too many NFL fans that will tell you if this person goes down, our entire season's over. And for a lot of teams in the NFL, for I would say most teams in the NFL, it's it's if our quarterback goes down, it's over. Yeah. But there are a lot of other... I, I for example, 
once once Andrew decided to hang it up, I I immediately resolved in my brain Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starter of the 2019 Colts. And immediately, <laughs> because it's just how my brain works, I was like, okay, why does Jacoby Brissett fail? Joby, Jacoby Brissett fails if Anthony Costanzo gets hurt. And I would say the same thing for an Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck would have a rough season, much like he did the beginning of last season, if Anthony Costanzo were to get injured. So I always think it's funny when people say offensive linemen don't matter anymore. The league's not built that way. They want speed. They want to get the ball in the quarterback's hand, keep him from getting hit. They want maneuverability. And I'm the one saying, like, well, given the design of the Colts offense and its function, Anthony Costanza is the second most was the second most important offensive player outside of Andrew Luck before his retirement. And now that he's gone and you have a, a guy with less experience, Jacoby Brissett, stepping in, Anthony Costanza is the most important member of the offense, in my opinion. And that's just my dumb opinion, right? Um, and obviously, I also agree, uh, before you say anything, if Ryan Kelly gets hurt, we're in trouble. If you're center, if you're not playing your starting center, you are at a loss. Um, but a lot of teams in the NFL, it's just their quarterback. If it isn't our quarterback, we're toast, right? And I don't feel that way at all about the Colts. I feel like, for the most part, if a, if guy A goes down, guy B steps in and does a serviceable job in replacement, and you'll be happy to cheer for that person because you also know who that is because that's the way the Colts have built their franchise. All 53 people matter. It's not just the quarterback, and we are so used to that as Colts fans, right? The last 20 years, the last for 20 seasons, as long as Andrew or Peyton are out there, we're just fine. All is right in the world. And I just think the Colts are headed in a completely different direction. And it, it's like they say it and then they do it. What a weird way to work, right? They said from moment one, when Frank Reich gets hired and doesn't know about whether or not he's going to have Andrew Luck back, and he stated from moment one that this team is not built around a single player. Every player matters. And something along the lines of, I I want to say, 44 new members of the 53-man roster since Chris Ballard came around. I think there's something like nine players left total. Yeah, I think it was like nine or 11. At most, it was 11. Yeah, left on the Colts roster since Chris Ballard's gotten here. And I get it. A lot, a lot of fans are so, you know, a lot of the people that I've what talked people to don't us, understand with that is that was three years ago. Like, yeah. that's it's mind blowing how short of a time and how little turn or how little continuance from the other era there is now. Like, that's yeah. mind mind numbing. Just how bad. Ryan Grigson was as a GM. <laughs> how bad how bad of a football coach Chuck Pagano was. How horrible hey, of a game planner yeah. they were. How they bad were, they, they were, were terrible. They survived yeah. because Andrew Luck is smarter than them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, well, anyway. Anyway. So so what we're what we're getting at this week and what we'll kind of start start to close with because we are about I think we're about 50 50 minutes in I think 53 so what I want to do is let all of our listeners know that I Jared I own a business called Bizarre Grind Coffee and Games and we're going to focus on the games with this little ad okay so I want to sponsor Stampy Blue uh, I own a business. I would like to increase the visibility of my business. I love Stampede Blue. I love the Colts. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I would like to see my name attached to Stampede Blue as far as my business goes. And I'm even willing to invest in that relationship. Um, so we kind of talked about earlier how we're going to, I'm going to start a piece called Stampede Blue Bets the NFL. 
And the way that's going to work is my company is going to invest money that will allow us to place those bets without any individual that works for Stampede Blue having to come under like personal financial strain to gamble because that would be stupid. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to give a, a little budget uh, to Stampede Blue. We're going to use all of our available resources to pool data to make really cool decisions and to show off like our collective brain power and then using that to to bet a little bit because again the purpose of doing that is gambling is now legal in the state of indiana from the sports betting side you have to go to a physical location to do that and what a better way to boost the visibility of stampede blue by supporting a new endeavor in sports in indiana and then what a bet what a good relationship for bizarre grind and stampede blue to raise each other up uh, in this kind of new-ish venture uh, for the state of Indiana. And who knows what this relationship will bring. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to make sure that in this in this episode, I told you, hey, I'm going to do a new piece called Stampede Blue Bets the NFL. We kind of talked about that. Um, so to close, now that we've, we've read our little ads, and, of course, you can go to bizarregrind.com. We have uh, bagged coffee for sale and merchandise for sale. Uh, Steven, how do you feel if you were a betting man? The Colts this week are a six and a half point underdog on the road, using air quotes, to the Los Angeles Chargers. Would you take, so you have a couple options, would you take the Chargers to win by touchdown, Chargers to win straight up, or the Colts to either lose by six or less. So the bet is, do the Colts or Chargers win straight up? Do you think San Diego wins by a touchdown? Or do you think the Colts lose by six or less? Or win? I think the, I think the Colts lose by six or less or win. I agree with you. And, and for the record, the, the, when the odds opened up on Sunday night, the Colts were a full touchdown underdog. So that's seven and a half points on Sunday night. And now it's six and a half. So people are betting on the Colts. The Colts are going to lose by six or less. This is going to be a close game. And the over, the over under is 44 and a half. So if you like to bet on sports, I think, for example, and if it's 44 and a half, that means they expect both teams to score 22 points or more. I did my research. I think that you could bet the over, too. I think that Philip Rivers is Philip Rivers. Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams is Mike Williams. They're going to score some points. I, I think the Colts are going to win. And I think that I feel the same way about the Colts. The Colts have a ton of weapons. They have the ability to score some points. So I'd also say it's going to be a high-scoring game, relatively. See, I would I would almost bet the under. Oh, really? On that. On 40, 44 and a half. You look at it, you say, all right, so you're looking at like three touchdowns apiece and then feel a little somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a that's a good line. It is. That's why Vegas wins, right? It's, it's a good line. Luna, lunatics like me say, I think it's going to be like a 28-24 game. 35, yeah. <laughs> well, no, 28-24 is a 52-point mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And we're six, you know, we're eight points above the over. Um, so I get it. You see this more as like a, a 24, 10 game. I see this. Yeah. I see this more as I actually, the number I was putting on, it was 24, 17, 24, um, 17. Yeah. Cause you at 41 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, clo- that's closer to the most likely outcome for the record. If you're wondering, the most likely outcome of a football contest is 23, 20. The average over under is 45. So they're saying they're betting. They're saying it's a lower scoring game than average. And that's where I, I think both defenses are actually really good in yeah. this game. Like the Colts, I, I don't think they're the Colts are bend but don't break. They had one of the top scoring defenses um, at the end of the year last year, and then the Chargers' defense, their defensive line's legit. Um, it is, and they they've got some solid pass rush there. Their nose tackle position is a little shaky, but they just uh, had had a good draft. Um, 
and so they, they could get some pressure, interior pressure, but I feel confident in the Colts' interior uh, offensive line more so than the Chargers. But I think your big question is, you know, if a team – it's just such a good line, yeah. Yeah, it is a good line, That's and that's why we want your help. So when we post these articles, if you've got thoughts of your own, we won't just do Colts game. We're going to bet the NFL, right? Um, but this this is a Colts podcast, so we will, of course, talk about the Colts. Uh, so, again, uh, I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, I agree with what Steven said, that defenses are better than advertised, um, and the line exists the way it does for a reason. Uh, and that and also, this isn't like us giving you advice on how to bet. So please don't come out if you decide to go ahead and bet on this. This is just our thoughts on the Vegas lines and is yeah. not promoting gambling in any way. No, we are, we are not at all saying you should also bet because we are betting. Uh, we're just saying like, this is what we think and this is what we're doing. Um, so yeah, this has been uh, Jared and Steven with Stampede Blues Afternoon Pancakes. This was episode 10. Go Colts. Absolutely. We'll see y'all on, after Sunday.